Northumberland 89.7 is CFWN, truly local radio, serving Northumberland County, a not-for-profit volunteer community radio station. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. This is Reality Realty. Good morning. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time each week, we bring you Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty, your local real estate forum, where we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. Today, We'll be repeating a format that we we ha- we did not a repeat show but a repeat format, and we received more feedback, positive feedback than any other show format we've ever done to date. And we'll be looking at real estate legal real estate case studies, and we will have Megan Adams, who is a lawyer at Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation, with us, and she'll walk us through some actual case studies and give us a chance to hear the facts, speculate on what would influence the judge's decision, and then find out how the judge actually ruled on each claim. And we'll get to that in just a short while. First, let's get right down to business and take a look at Snapshot. Snapshot is a look at today's residential real estate market in Northumberland County, and there have been 183 single-family residential sales over the past month. Uh, sales have remained fairly constant over the past four weeks of reporting. This leaves us with an inventory of 208 residential listings for sale. And the average selling price of successful sales over the past 12 months has increased to approximately $370,000. On average, people have been receiving over this past year, they've been receiving 99 of their asking price in a market time of 42 days. Northumberland County is still in a seller's market with an absorption rate of 88% based on the last month's sale trends. And keep in mind that anything above 20% absorption rate is traditionally considered a seller's market. So 88% is far, far into a seller's market. I researched these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. And List Central is something you won't be able to get on yourself. It's the local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area specific 
specific to the property type you're uh, looking at and the price band that you're looking in. So how do you find out this information? Well, talk to your local realtor to understand the Northumberland market information that's most relevant to you. Today's mortgage rates, five-year fixed, you can still get as low as 2.49% and a five-year variable as low as 1.95%. And as always, today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And folks, that is a current snapshot of the residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. This is just a reminder. Uh, that the views and opinions that are expressed by me, my co-hosts, guests of the show, or any of the articles we present do not represent the views and opinions of the station, of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, of any real estate brokerage, or of any other realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. So I would like to introduce our guest this morning, we have a lawyer with a focus on real estate from Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation. It's Megan Adams herself. Good morning, Megan, and thanks for joining us again today. Good morning, Dale. My pleasure. So, Megan, uh, it we did this before, <laughs> uh, and we're doing it again. So we personally feel it worked out well, and, and we've got a lot of feedback saying that. Great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And I find this... I find this so interesting, these case studies, because I we could talk about real estate rules and we could talk about, you know, the, the way the process ought to go. But sometimes that just sounds like blah, blah, blah. Well, and I think you and I also need to recognize we're there at the front end. You're there at the very front end. As a solicitor, I'll be looking to close a real estate transaction. What we don't see is what happens when the real estate transaction goes bad and a lawsuit ensues. So it's great for us to see what may result from our actions at the front end. So it's always good, though we're not litigators, that we are aware of some of the potential issues and take it very seriously from the onset. Absolutely. And and it, it gives you just more reason for establishing good best practices. Which you and I are very passionate about, I know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Megan, you were, you were on on February 23rd. Yes. And we did this last time. And I understand you have some business news that has gone on since then. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I've moved my practice from 3rd Street Law in Coburg uh, to my own practice in Port Hope. I was raised in Port Hope, and it's where my home was, and my intention was always to set up in Port Hope. So it was bittersweet, but as of April 1st, I have moved my practice uh, with my law clerk, Heather Purcell, over to 40 John Street in Port Hope. So it's a one-way street right off the main street. We quite like what we've created there and would suggest anyone pop by if they want. No open houses have been set yet, but we'll be looking to do something in May. So you're going to have a grand open house where where us realtors or any uh, past or future clients can drop in? Absolutely. Maybe we'll have one just for the realtors alone. Well, let's, let's, review, let's review your contact information at the end of the show and make sure people have a chance to write that down. So, Megan case studies so we'll, what will we do here we'll we'll do the same as before we will talk about the facts and uh, maybe maybe because because I know far less give me a chance to speculate and, and 
potentially be right or wrong. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, to summarize, I'm not a litigator. I just happened to pull whatever cases I could find. And I tried to pull. So the cases this week relate to deposits in real estate transactions. When real estate transactions do not happen, what happens with that deposit? And I think it's important for us all to think about um, in the market we have today, people realize the higher deposit they put down, the more uh, their offer might be considered. But is there a risk you might lose that deposit? And the answer is absolutely yes. And I think these cases, in some cases, will demonstrate that. And and maybe just another disclaimer, too, before we start. You know, I've, I've looked these over quickly, and this is scary stuff. Yeah. This is really scary stuff. So, I mean... Not to not to get any people working in a transaction now to a such a stressful level that they're afraid to make a move, uh, because most of the time the deals don't result like we're going to talk about today. But the reality is. Uh, you need to be aware of these things. Well, and we see it far too often. Far too often we see the day of closing and the day before a purchaser's lawyer touches base and says, the purchaser hasn't got their act together, their financing's not in place, we need a day extension. Well, the seller's not obligated to extend a day and the seller can call the transaction at an end and seek to retain the deposit. So Mm -hmm. it just needs to be taken seriously in that front. Exactly. Which maybe we can discuss at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we start with our first case study here, Megan? Okay, so what I did was I happened, I pulled one very recent case that has come up. It was an Ontario Superior Court case. I I think the majority of deposit disputes would take place in the small claims court because that would be up to 25,000 and you'd probably agree most deposits would be 25,000 or under. In, In our community. And so we have very few written decisions with respect to the returns of deposits. And there's two things that need to be considered. When a contract is entered into, such as an agreement of purchase and sale, should one party fail to fulfill their obligations under the contract, the wronged party is entitled to any damages they incur. So some people think the deposit is automatically forfeited to the seller should the purchaser do something wrong. And that's not necessarily the case, which we can get to at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But our first case, whether it was a clause in the agreement that stated the vendor, the seller would retain the deposit or whether all parties agreed at the outset that it was only the deposit under question. The issue in this case, there's a woman, she sold her property to a numbered company, which leaves me to think that it's probably a numbered company because the purchaser maybe buys up properties and that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. On the cl- And this is common. I go through this at least six times a year. So on the closing date, the purchaser's lawyer sent an email to the seller's lawyer stating that the seller had not yet received confirmation of the financing and would not be able to close today. What happens usually is the seller's lawyer will go back to their client and will say, do you want to extend a day? And this can go on for weeks. It's, it's, very, you know, it's such a difficult case. But for the most part, sellers will extend. In this case, the seller said, no, I will not. So the seller's lawyer suddenly became on the defensive. They knew that what they might write may end up in this case, and I think this seller's lawyer did a fantastic job, this is where I would contact a litigator just to make sure I was on side or have Mm -hmm. my client to ensure you're on the right side of the law, whatever the law might be. So the response from the seller's lawyer was, 
To number one, confirm that the seller was ready, willing, and able to close. Those are words we talk about when we're tendering, when we're proving we're in a position to close. The seller's realtor went on to say, the purchaser's lawyer was in breach because they were unable to close, and therefore the deposits are forfeited to the seller, and then the seller can reserve the right to sue for any additional damages they may have. So again, the what bottom line is the purchaser's lawyer writes and says, we can't close today, our financing's not in place. The seller's lawyer says, then you're in breach of the agreement. We're going to keep your deposit and sue for any further damages. Now, <clears throat> I noticed... I know somewhere in, in your uh, uh, summary that you <coughs> gave me, it, was it referred to an anticipatory hmm. breach? So what ends up happening on the closing date is very, on the one side it's academic, but on the other side it, trials come down to it. An anticipatory breach, we need to be careful with our clients, we don't find ourselves in that position. An anticipatory breach is where one party admits before the completion of a transaction that they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Or that they can't, or that they, they think no, that potentially they can't. They cannot do it. Oh, so, so they, they, in fact, at that point, know it won't be done. Yeah, so our clients not received confirmation. We, we will <coughs> not be able to close today. Okay. So the wronged party has some choices. We can just say, sit tight and say nothing, and then the next day happens, and that's, that's not great for the seller's lawyer. In this case, the seller's lawyer slammed back and said, we're ready, willing, and able to close, so we're proving we're able to close which in some effect it gets into a tender issue, which we might address another day, but I think it's best to keep that out of this. It wasn't an issue. So an anticipatory breach is where one party demonstrates that they are unable to complete a transaction. Even before. I guess the anticipatory is because they're seeing this before the end of that um, proposed time or contractual time. If two weeks before closing you tell me, Look, Megan, my client hasn't sold their house. They're not going to sell their house. We're not in a position to buy your house two weeks from now. We can say from that date, you're in breach. We accept your breach, and we're suing tomorrow. So you can actually bring and a claim even before. And so that deal is dead then. That deal is dead as then. Soon as, as soon as the, um, what did you say, the, the, the person who's been violated against. Uh, the wronged party. The wrong party. Uh, as soon as they accept that anticipatory breach, even if it's two weeks before when that when that condition had to be met or that closing date had to be met, that deal is dead right then. For the most part. I suppose it can be revived, which was a little sliver of a, showed a sliver of a breath in this case here. Okay. So if I, we can go to that part. So yeah, yeah. It appeared the transaction was at an end. That That's the position of the seller's lawyer here anyhow. However, it appeared that after this closing date, or at some time, is questionable when, the realtor who was double-ending had been having communication with the seller to say, would you enter into a new agreement? Can we proceed in two weeks? Would you be willing to accept this? So there were discussions about the agreement, perhaps around the same time the anticipatory breach occurred, and definitely a few days later. So that comes up in terms of uh, the purchaser's position as well. So, so would that put doubt into into the um, into the validity of accepting the anticipatory breach if they were actually considering? It would, because doubt is not part of anticipatory breach. When there is an anticipatory breach, there has to be clear and unequivocal 
acceptance by the wrong party of that breach. So if there's stirrings in the background, if there's negotiations in the background, that could be reason enough to um, create some okay. doubt. So do you want me to go to the positions? <coughs> yeah, let's let's see. Uh, so what the, the position that the buyer and the position the seller were standing on. Okay, so yeah. I'll go with the seller first. So if you recall, the seller's the plaintiff in this case. All they're seeking is... Uh, to retain the $80,000 deposit. $80,000, Dale. 80000 yeah, It's, that, it's that, a lot of money. That might not have happened in Northumberland <sighs> County. These days, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So the seller, the one who wants to retain the money, submits that its lawyer's email on the date of closing was a clear and unequivocal acceptance of the anticipatory breach and that they said, you breached it, we accept your breach, we're retaining the deposit, and we'll, we'll go after you for uh, any other damages. Um, and <coughs> the seller's position was also that any discussions between the seller and the realtor around days after um, the date of the original closing date did not revive the agreement as the agreement came to an immediate end at the time the breach was accepted and the purchaser was never really able to prove they had the monies to close. It was almost abstract discussions. Mm-hmm. Purchaser, on the other hand, uh, through their lawyer, submits that the seller's lawyer email was neither clear nor unequivocal because on the one hand, the (coughs) seller's lawyer was saying, we accept your breach, we're keeping your deposit, while on the other hand saying, we're ready, willing, and able to close, here's all our documents. So it shows that the conduct is not clear and unequivocal, which I think is a stretch and frustrating, but we'll leave it that. The seller, the purchaser also stated the seller's discussions with the realtor showed the breach was less than unequivocal. Um, And because of this ambiguity, they should be entitled to get their deposit back because clear and unequivocal is quite (coughs) strong wording. So, yeah, so then they would (coughs) never have entered, but this could be the realtor. I mean, maybe maybe that seller might never have considered uh, whether or not to to change their minds on that. Maybe it was a realtor, you know, and, and I under, I'm a realtor, so I understand they're saying, hey, we had a, a seller who wanted to sell and a buyer who wanted to buy. We missed it by a day. Uh, do these people still want to do something, right? And here we are, hindsight <coughs> 2020, here's a case years later being determined on the behaviors and correspondence that took place who knows on the date of closing at what time the purchaser's lawyer wrote and said we don't have the money we can't close suddenly at that point the seller's lawyer needs to make sure to stay on side the seller's stressed do i go and relist and hope it's going to be okay do i give them the benefit of the doubt and delay it's just there's so much Mm -hmm. emotion and stress going on at the same time but it's really important that anyone who finds himself in this position seeks the advice of their lawyer and often my advice is to meet with a litigator who would be dealing with this at the other end just to make sure that we all stay on side okay okay and you know you might be looking at a nominal fee what's hundreds of dollars when here you're at risk of gaining or losing eighty thousand yeah so there's your your there in summary the seller says we gave clear and unequivocal acceptance of the breach. I want to keep the 80,000. Purchaser says in no way was it clear and unequivocal. We want our <coughs> 80 grand back. Mm-hmm. Well, are we, are we at a point, do we have all the, the positions now? I think so. Okay, so 
So, I mean, for me, how do I think this might go? Well, after you describing that the deal, after you, after the seller has accepted the anticipatory breach, then the deal is dead. Then, then, then I, I can see how, you know, they were the wronged party and the, the $80,000 deposit could go to them. But is that reasonable to think that you couldn't, like, I guess what we don't know here is, were the people asking for a one-day extension? Were they asking for, you know... Um, and it never seemed to get to that point, did it? Where the one email <coughs> went that said... Mm -hmm. It was over. They, yeah. It was almost like, it was. it's almost like, do they either have somebody in their back pocket who's ready to maybe offer more or... What if they have seller's remorse? Does it matter when yeah. one party's proven that they breached the contract? Does it matter what the intentions of the other party are? I don't know. Or do they, did they just have a lawyer who knew the law and just said, listen, folks, you know, this is pretty clear. And we don't know if it's clear yet because we don't know the verdict. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is pretty clear. If you if you go ahead and do this, you're going to make a quick eighty thousand, and then you can resell. And uh, you know that's your call. Mm hmm. Hmm. So I mean, what chance does? So if I'm trying to think, what chance does the buyer have here? I guess that would. Uh, I I'd be yeah. It seems contractually they don't have a chance, but I would think. I would hope, because we run into this, don't we? Where where deals don't, they just can't get done on that given day. But they need but they to, happen the next day. But they need to get done because there is always <clears throat> a risk that this is what will be the end site. So when the lawyer calls a week before closing, worked up that they're missing something, it needs to be taken seriously because this is always in the back of my mind, at least. Yeah. So I mean, it just seems. And and I guess it depends on how much that the buyer needed, how much time, and, and we don't really have that here. I don't think they've been clear on that yet, have they? No, and it, it was a very... One of the other cases goes into a bit more, but it's maybe something for another show, is mm -hmm. we've seen cases, as soon as someone's asking for a day, mm -hmm. it's very, the chance it's happening the next day is very slim. Oh, they'll be asking Next day, for mm, maybe not. We've seen this go on for weeks and weeks mm -hmm. and weeks. It's just stressful and... So when do, you, when do you just stop it and, and, that's, and move on? No one has a crystal ball. Well, listen, Megan, before we do the conclusion of this, we're going to go on break. So, folks, if you want to hear the conclusion of this case study and where is that $80,000 going to go, um, stay with us and we'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Don Murdoch. I'm very pleased to be hosting Country Music Through the Years. The show comes to you Monday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. right here at Northumberland 89.7. During this fun-filled two hours, we'll be featuring songs from your favorite classics like Merle Haggard and George Jones on to today's artists such as Luke Bryant and Blake Shelton. Looking forward to interacting with you each Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. on country music through the years right here at Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. 
It's a special one-week-only Red Tag Days sale. For this week only, all 2017 Toyotas are on sale at Vandermeer Toyota Coburg. Prius, RAV4 Hybrid, and Yaris Hatch are all 0%, and the Red Tag Days sale gets even better. Camry, IM, RAV4 LE, front-wheel drive, and Corolla all get bonus cash of $1,000 and 0%. The best Toyota deal ever is right now. Only until Saturday at Vandermeer Toyota, 950. 59 Division Street, Coburg. I wish Northumberland 89.7 would do a co-production with a local theatre group like the Northumberland Players. They have. Maybe a local writer could serialise his excellent script and broadcast it next fall using local talent. Already would underway. Would they ever do it? They it are. would be fun. It's, it's Maybe happening. they'd hold auditions for the 17 roles. They are. Possibly May 3rd and 4th at the Firehall Theatre. Honey, you're not listening. Auditions for In Continuum, a supernatural drama by local writer-director Bernard Morin at the Firehall Hall Theatre, May 3rd and 4th at 7 p.m. It's something I could get excited about. Auditions, May 3rd and 4th, 7 p.m. at the Fire Hall Theatre. Welcome back. This is Northumberland, 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Megan Adams. Megan is a lawyer at Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation in Port Hope. And Megan's practices practice focuses on real estate. So, Megan, before the break, we were, we have... We discussed a case study about a deposit that was um, uh, made on a real estate transaction, and there was an anticipatory breach uh, being that the seller's lawyer contacted, I mean the buyer's lawyer contacted the seller's lawyer to say, we're not going to be able to close on closing date, and they accepted the breach um, unequivocally, uh, according to them. And so now the the question is, where does that eighty thousand dollars go? So how how did the judge rule on this particular uh, case? You don't have an opinion. Well, I, I you know what I sort of did my opinion at before yeah. break, which yeah. which I know you're asking because I was so wishy washy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really I, I think contractually, I think contractually the it sounds like the seller. <coughs> by by what you've told me, it sounds like the seller contractually um, will will end up with that uh, eighty thousand dollar deposit. But then I'm just thinking, based on experience I've had in the past, where somebody needs an extra day or two, and and it's extended, and and I mean, and I I don't see all the cases you see. You see all the cases from so many realtors. I'm looking at my own, and and more often than not, on my own deals they're they're getting done in that two three days so so i would hope i would hope that reasonable people could have made this work Re- oh, <coughs> dale we we agree to disagree with this one because reasonable people make it work anyhow <laughs> okay we don't know how the parties presented to the courts uh often when it gets to the courts, it's sort of a clean hand rule. The court's going to get a sense of equity and who was truly at fault and maybe make the laws align with that result. But in Mm -hmm. this case, it was determined that there was a breach of the agreement. It was clear and unequivocal. And so the damages paid to the seller was the $80,000 deposit plus $15,000 in legal fees, which probably didn't come anywhere close to covering their legal fees for the action. But anyhow, they walk away with $95,000, which is a big hit on that purchaser if it was really just the loss of a day. But you know, 
like you said, there are instances where they just need that day. So is a email from a from a purchaser's lawyer to the other side that states, what did they state? We have it quote. We've not received confirmation of the financing and not will be and will not be able to close today. Perhaps they could have gone into more detail of what was holding up the financing, show mm-hmm. the proof the financing was on its way. Maybe they should have taken it more seriously from the onset and they wouldn't have been slammed with the response from the seller's lawyer. But in this case, that purchaser is out 95000 between the deposit and the legal fees. So, so really and truly, was that a... I mean, if they're if they're saying on closing date, if the buyer's lawyer is saying on closing date, we're not going to be able to. Now, I, I mean, that depends on the reasoning. I do know that lenders, lenders can seem to be dragging their feet to us, and and maybe maybe things are looking hopeless. But I also witness last minute heroics. Dale, last minute heroics come from people like Carolyn <coughs> Bryant. Mm-hmm. Who we love working with because if we realize that a deal is going to be going off the hilter for whatever reason, she will be on that phone day and night to get what we need. Mm-hmm. You, So people buying and selling, they do need to surround themselves with that team. Buyers need that realtor who cares and will be there like yourself. They need that lender or mortgage broker who will be there and care like Carol Ann, who deals with lenders who understand the importance of closing on closing dates. I'd love to see a lender pulled into one of these agreements for failing to get funding to the yeah. lawyer. And you need a good lawyer that takes your transaction seriously and recognizes the impact um, a faulty move can have one way or the other. you got to right. get yourself that good team. Yeah. So so would, would, it, would it potentially have been a mistake then for that, I mean potentially, uh, for that lawyer to have even contacted the seller's lawyer to say, hey, this this is where we're at. Would it have been better for that lawyer just to let the time come and go? It's such a dance and we don't want to play it because you and I are both parties that want to work together and come up with a solution for all parties can agree to. The problem is by doing that, he did open up the doors for the other side. What we find is when we're acting for sellers, if we find afternoon comes on closing date and it's been radio <coughs> silence from the other end, from the purchaser's lawyer, we start to get worried. We start making those calls. We start those letters that start saying, we're ready, willing, and able to close. What's up with you? Mm-hmm. And we start because, number one, we're on the defensive to protect our clients um, in the best way possible should it go completely south. Number two, we want to ensure it doesn't go south and work together to create an amicable ending for all. And so it's a, it's a balance between getting it done Mm-hmm. And in protecting your client's interests. So, so I th- yeah. So takeaways: um, get the right people in your in your corner. Get the right people in your corner. And and I get you know I in any profession. I mean, the lawyers. They. I, I think I think we have a great group of lawyers here in our community. We do. Um, but just because you pass the bar and and you're you're legal to practice law doesn't necessarily mean you address your your practice uh the way every other lawyer does it's not the lawyers in northumberland county we're worried about dale yeah you might find the same with the real estate community well exactly and and just because you have a real estate license Mm -hmm. you know doesn't mean we all do real estate the same way and uh, and i do know lenders lenders approach deals very differently too and and carolyn will will tell me i mean she'll say oh i I never will work with that lender again or or this lender here i i just hope we can align with this lender here because this lender is great to work with 
And so, yeah. It's Stick, stay away from Fridays, especially <clears throat> at the end of the month, because mm-hmm. those lenders have to wire those monies into the lawyer's account. Stay away from Fridays. Get lenders everything they need. Even just understand that you might want that house so bad and you're 98% certain you can do it. As you slam down that $30,000 deposit with no conditions, realize that that 2% risk, it might not close. You're putting thirty grand on the line plus any further damages that the seller might have. So we just have to be careful. And if that's your only 30000 and it doesn't, and, and something goes south and it doesn't come back to you quickly and easily, if that's your only $30,000, you are you are out of the shopping, you're real right. estate shopping. So let's look at this. So this case was heard in 2016. <coughs> the original closing date was, I think it was 2013. 2013. So that was held up for three years, mm-hmm. $80,000. So even if it went in favor of the purchaser, more often, things don't go to trial very often. Things don't get litigated very often most likely and this is where you would probably come in that 80,000 is there there's a wronged party perhaps the realtors would have negotiated so say look we know we've been a headache seller you can retain 10 grand and release the 70 to us then they can get that in writing get that mutual release and all parties can move on Mm -hmm. and that's something maybe we can talk about at the end is what happens with these deposits well let's let's Megan let's move on to our next case study then what what do we have for the next okay, one? Okay, so I'll talk about the next one, and then there's a little <coughs> twist on it at the end, which I find really exciting. Yeah. I don't know if you agree. A twist is always good. Yeah, especially in law. Well, if, <laughs> if we're not involved. Yeah. <laughs> so the next case, it's actually a BC case, but I've seen lots of reference to it in Ontario real estate blogs, Ontario uh, legal blogs, and so I just thought it was worth um, bringing up. Again, I'm not a litigator. This may not be the up-to-date law in the area, but the law is just such a, we went over anticipatory breach, what it means, who knows what's going to happen in a case. So this case here, there's a little old lady. She needed to downsize. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, it was BC in 2010. She sold her property for $845,000 to a woman whose husband was acting as her realtor and clearly she owned all sorts of properties this little old lady downsizing out of convenience chose to buy a new property with the same closing date as she was selling her house couple days before her house was to sell she was contacted by the purchaser's realtor to state that the purchaser of her house was unable to complete the transaction and wanted an extension of a month And you mentioned, Dale, why can't she play nice in the sandbox? What's going on here? Well, she was relying on that money from selling Mm -hmm. that house to buy the house the same day. And apparently she requested an extension on her purchase and she was declined. So she said, no, I will not grant the extension. (coughs) She then relisted the house and the long and the short of it is, it was originally sold for eight forty five, appraisal of eight forty five. She sold it for six hundred and seventy thousand dollars with a Whoa. closing date that was essentially a month later than her original closing date. Okay. So she was able in the meantime to extend her purchase. So she closed her purchase. She was a smart woman at this point. She knew to bridge, which we recommend. So she closed her purchase. A couple of days later she sold her sale property for almost two hundred thousand less than the original sale price. Um, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. So after she dust is settled, this poor little old lady, she's pretty angry. Mm-hmm. She's, she says, deposit is rarely even mentioned in this case. She doesn't care about the deposit. It is being held. It is being, it is, I think it was about 30,000. It is being held mm-hmm. somewhere. 
She wanted the $170,000 loss she <coughs> suffered because the original purchaser w failed to complete the transaction. And is this is this another anticipatory breach? I think it is, but it was the less of the issue that was discussed. So I think everyone agreed that, yes, the, the uh, purchaser failed to complete their obligation, so they were in breach of contract, which brings us to phase two, where one party is in breach of contract, the wronged party must show that they mitigated their damages. In other words, they did everything possible they could to ensure that they would be put back in the position they would be in. So obviously the question is here, by selling a property for about 170 less than the original offer, e mm -hmm. even especially with this person who did the original offer wanting to close but just needed that <coughs> extension, was she mitigating her damages. Yeah, did she just take the first offer that came along? And we may have different views on this one as well, but do you want me to go into their positions? Y yeah. How are we yeah. for time? Let's, let's go into positions here. We're good for time, eh? Yeah. So the bottom line is, same sort of case as the other one. Purchaser says, I can't close. I need to sell one of my other properties or find money somewhere because I have okay. lots of it. I just need to find it. Yeah. I need a month. Seller says, no, we're done. Seller turns around, sells the property for 170,000 less. It appears it was not in question was whether there was a breach of contract. It appears all parties agreed. Yes, there was. Well, did the seller mitigate her damages? Seller's position was she behaved reasonably in entering into this contract. Apparently the real estate market, <coughs> who knew? You'd think it was 2017. In BC was starting to plummet apparently in 2010. She knew that she was responsible for purchasing this other property. She was desperate. She needed to get it sold. She had a deadline. Exactly. So yeah. she she was not in a great position, so she was act, did act reasonably. Purchaser said, no, seller didn't act reasonably. We had good reason for our unforeseen circumstances. We needed the extension. The seller refused without good reason. And the purchaser stated that they use the words, the seller acted prematurely and unreasonably to sell the property, and she did not act in good faith. I mean, peep, there's emotions involved. You'd be pretty pissed if someone ruined your day, possibly more, and say, no, I'm not dealing with you anymore. So that's her question is, did they act in good faith by refusing to deal with me anymore? Well, they, they were asking for a month or, or better. And, and my, re my favorite <coughs> part is the, sell the purchaser states the seller did not act in good faith because the seller stated her instincts believed the purchaser would not follow through, which, I mean, yeah, how do you know that? once, right? Yeah, but how do you know that? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this, is, this one is a little bit different. Number one, the deposit's not even really an issue because I guess they, it wasn't in the contract and it wasn't determined before trial. It's just the deposit at issue. At issue here is full damages suffered. Is she entitled to the full damages because she failed to mitigate her debt? And I suppose a judge could also <coughs> determine, it could go one of three ways. The judge can determine that she acted reasonably, she's entitled to her damages. The judge can determine that she did not act reasonably, so the seller's not entitled to her damages. Or there's no reason, I believe, that they can say, well, 170 is excessive. We can understand maybe you couldn't have got that 845, but we don't understand why you couldn't have got 750, so we'll give you some of your damages. Yeah. You know what? And, and that would be my thoughts too. You know, if both, it sounds like both parties uh, um, accepted that this deal was dead after the anticipatory breach and, and the acceptance of that. 
But that's a lot of money, $170,000 a difference. Like, it, it seems like she sold out real quick, although she had a deadline. So she she either takes that maybe or or doesn't meet her deadline and, and finds she's in a lawsuit on the other end. So she would have been stressed out. But it, it almost makes me wonder if, if um, maybe it's going to be a judge's decision to say maybe not the full 170, but listen... Um, here is, uh, oh, was there something about appraised value too? Yes, yeah, so it was <coughs> appraised at the 845. So the, the appraised value was the original purchase price of 845, and she turned around and sold it for what, 670 oh, or e something? Oh, and then, then she sold it, and appraised values are very often uh, lower than a market value. And so, yeah, I can see, I can see her, you know, saying, I had to get business done, or uh, else I might get sued on the other deal yeah, that this I'm poor buying. little old lady. But, All she wants uh, is to downsize yeah. Dale. Yeah, I know, I know. You pull the old <laughs> poor little old lady, but say it was just this ruthless, big, strong guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the law is the oh, law, sometimes right? Sometimes they get the most <clears throat> upset of all. So, but the law is the law. Whether you're you're a sweet little old lady or or well, what if it's you, Dale, and you've been put in her position? You might have better resources to understand that yes, you do have the tools in your mind and your tool shed. That yes, I can turn around and sell it. I feel more confident as opposed to getting that mm-hmm. sh- again hindsight. But I, I would, yeah. Where are you going with it? I I would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that my guess is there's some sort of split here. Um, like you mentioned. You are so wrong, and so I'm so <laughs> excited to go into it, and I'm even more excited to talk about the twist. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's find out what the... Uh Let's find out what the um, what the conclusion is and, and save the twist for after our Sounds break. Sounds great. So I'll do this quite quick for you. So this judge did not look fondly on this little old lady. Cool. So this judge <laughs> had to determine. He did determine, yes, there was a breach of contract. The... Um, but however, did the purchaser fail to do some act they could have reasonably done? Court determined that the seller did not act reasonably in accepting a much lower price. In fact, she acted precipitously, Mm. selling the property quickly and significantly below the appraised value. So well done bringing that up. Although she needed funds to close her purchase, she failed to pursue available options and failed to take the steps a reasonable person would take. The court then, you know... (laughs) little hindsight here the court says why didn't you continue to list the property and seek interim financing because i'm sure lenders would be delighted to give you financing on your new property while you retain that eight hundred and forty five thousand dollar property really (laughs) that's what the judge suggested she could have pursued the second (coughs) offer from the purchaser who said i want to keep doing this so she could have done that so therefore, the seller failed to act as a reasonable person would. There's always the reasonable person test. She failed to mitigate her damages by taking steps a reasonable person would take. Therefore, the purchaser is not required to pay for avoidable losses. Had the plaintiff, the purchaser or seller, properly mitigated her damages, she would not have suffered the loss claim. Seller walked away with nothing but the purchaser's legal fees to cover. So the seller just came out that judge just nailed her and so it didn't matter that she was the wronged party yeah she sh- could have i don't know should have would have but there's a twist you say the twist is marvelous okay. well folks uh join us after this break and we'll be back with megan adams and myself and we're going to hear the twist to this case study don't go away looking to change your mind Grab a cup of curiosity and join me Thursdays at 12 noon.
for conversation with cutting-edge thinkers that invite you to think differently about yourself and the world. Update your thinking, the Jan Sprague Show, here on Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. Come out to the 13th annual Port Hope ACO Auction and Tag Sale with great house and garden antiques, furniture, collectibles, silver, linens, books, and an unbelievable tag sale. On Sunday, April 23rd at the Port Hope Rec Centre. The outdoor garden sale starts at 9.30 and doors open at 10 for the tag sale and auction preview. Les Britton and Rob Ruslins start the auction bidding at 12.30. It's a day of great bargains and fun. Remember, no taxes or buyer's premium with everything going at unbelievable prices. Are you looking to buy a home? Do you want the best and most up-to-date information on listed properties and the current market? Then you need to be working with one of our local Northumberland realtors. Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage has knowledgeable realtors at offices in Coburg, Port Hope, and Roseneath to serve you. Contact one of our offices today. Go to discoverroyallepage.com. Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage, independently owned and operated. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Megan Adams. Megan is a lawyer at Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation in Port Hope. And Megan's practice focuses on real estate. Megan, before the break, really interesting case study we looked at where, um, uh, as you as you have mentioned, a sweet little old lady who has sold her home for eight hundred and forty five thousand dollars, and and she's notified after a firm deal that the buyer will not be able to close on that time and needs an extra month or so to be able to close. And she says, "No way." She said, "You're you're in breach of your." Uh, of this deal and I accept that breach and I'm moving on she moves on she sells it to the next person for approximately a hundred and seventy thousand dollars less and the judge when it went to court has just said um, sweet little old lady seller you did not do everything you could have done to mitigate your losses and you are now uh, you you will not you will not get that hundred and seventy thousand dollars off of the first buyer. Um, you're you're just stuck with the price you accepted, and plus court fees. I I, I feel guilty now, Dale. She's not that old. <laughs> oh, did you? I just used it for my oh, okay. You betterment. Just, so just she 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 was about seventy five. So oh, that's, that I know okay. that's that's not a little old lady. We're yeah, as I get closer to that age, I'm saying exactly no. yeah. in this community, especially. <clears throat> so that's where this was left. So bitter taste in this woman's mouth. Very li- again, I mentioned before. Very rarely do things go to trial. Even more rarely do people say. I do not agree with this decision. I'm going to put down tens of thousands of dollars and appeal it. But this woman did. So that same year, this trial decision wherein the seller received no damages because she failed to mitigate went to the Court of Appeal. And the Court of Appeal... Should I just get right down to it? Just get right down to it. So what the court what of happened? appeal completely reversed the trial deci- the trial judge's decisions. The court of appeal, I believe in BC, it's four judges would sit, and I think who knows if they've 
what what their position was if they weren't <coughs> so much believers of the hindsight 2020 if they were m- believers of the clean hand she wasn't the one that wasn't able to close so why did she suffer so badly so the um the reversal the court of appeal determined that the seller was entitled to accept a sure offer with a definitive closing date in a failing real estate market falling that allowed her to complete the purchase she contracted to make so again i mentioned to you as soon as people require a one-day delay they're requesting a a one-day delay i caution my sellers this is what they're saying now don't be surprised if tomorrow they're asking (coughs) for a week we don't know what's going on in the background we don't know if there's a lender that simply didn't get the funds to us or if they have no funds in place we don't know what's going on. So again, the court says she went with someone who is unknown, possibly more reliable than the one who already showed to mm-hmm. um, fail to meet their needs. And that the purchaser failed to prove that the seller had not taken the steps as she should have had. And she, p- th- so basically the purchaser didn't prove <coughs> the seller's steps the seller took resulted in a loss. So they couldn't prove we had the money in hand. Here it was. So at the end of the day, the appeal was allowed. The seller got her damages in the amount of 170. She got the appeal cost, so the cost, the her legal fees for the appeal. Plus, and I'll mention this because it's a little quirk because courts is such a gamble in many ways. Her lawyer, be prior to the tr- um, prior to the trial, requested of the purchaser's lawyer, "Give my client 150, and we'll walk." The purchaser's lawyer said no. Trial, seller got more than 150, 170. Therefore, the, it may have even been before the original trial. But <coughs> at the bottom line was this, the seller got double legal fees because they'd made an offer that would have been, put them in a worse position. So uh, if that buyer had have accepted that, um, that settlement yeah. before it went to, before the decision came out, then they would only pay only they would have paid 150,000 but now they paid 170,000 plus, plus the fees legal. for two yeah. to, for the original uh, trial and the appeal trial which is kind of unfair right 150 versus 170 one would likely by that point take the take the risk so i i get why they did that but Bottom line is, I don't know if we have some time to go into takeaways. Or yeah, let's let, let's slow down. Yeah, we 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 have we actually have about another seven minutes here, so we can we can take a look at yeah. After looking at these cases, what are takeaways? What so have we learned? <laughs> well, every <laughs> once in a while, I'd like to think I'm a kind person and I'm personable and friendly. I think mm-hmm. sometimes come closing days lenders or realtors or clients might see a different side of me and not understand if I become overly excitable or firm or we can just get ourselves in hot water similar to these cases. So I'll, I'll get on the phone with whoever I need to to get what we need and what we do to try to prevent this is our office realizes the first thing you can do is get on things as soon as possible. So we do like to meet with our clients as early on as possible to get the information we need that may be pertinent. There might be information that if we get it two days before closing can lead to delay. So we'll get that at the front end. We send our client away with checklists that have timelines for when we think things should be done so that they can see if we don't have mortgage instructions two weeks before closing, it's time to start hounding and figure out why. Mm -hmm. You know, things like insurance binders. If we don't have an insurance binder, insurance information on the day of closing that we require that has the information, property's not closing. We need, um, there's, there's all sorts of things we need. So we, tr- we try to be preemptive, which prevents this day before closing. 
issues, but again, or day of closing. So again, day of closing, we will be chasing those funds down or chasing what we need down for our <coughs> purchasers. We won't be advising the seller's lawyer, really, unless, I, I just don't know the answer there to get negotiating to extend. Usually that happens at the end of the day. Um, but takeaways, take your deposit seriously when you're the purchaser. Mm -hmm. What are you giving? Because it might be tied up. There is some suggestion that realtors may wish to put in the agreement what happens to the, the <coughs> deposit should a transaction not close. You know, seller can keep the deposit if it's the purchaser's fault it didn't close and seek no further damages, or they can keep the deposit and go after further damages. Of course, there'll be trials over is it the purchaser's fault, but there's some discussion as to that. But Right, and, and now for a buyer to be submitting an offer to a seller, <clears throat> I can't see any any buyer just saying, let's add in that, I, I agree with <laughs> let's you. add in a clause that says if, if we uh, default, you know, that uh, the deposit will automatically go to the seller. But nobody's, I don't think anybody's even okay. thinking that it might default at that point. Yeah. I think... It, I mean, I've seen situations... Maybe Northumberland County, we haven't had to think about this too much <coughs> because up until maybe last year or the year before, our deposits ran from 1000 to 3000 it seemed, where because yeah. of where the market's gone, now we're probably not seeing them below 10 really. Yeah. So and it's only becoming a potential discussion point now. And negotiations are, are being uh, more pivotal on a deposit because when you see somebody coming in with such a, a super high offer above asking price you're wondering, can you even afford it? Because... what because And what happens if a bank comes in, you know, you put in a firm offer, no conditions. Well, maybe you have millions of dollars, but if the bank sends in an appraiser and finds the property's appraised at 50 grand less <coughs> than you put in your offer for, you're in trouble. Well, then you have to come up with your, say, 5% plus the difference in the appraiser, appraisal, so 5% yeah. plus the 50 grand, and do you have it? So that's where a strong deposit comes in. If you have a deposit of... 50 grand or you have a deposit of five grand you might say okay i, I trust that that offer that came in with a, a fifty thousand dollar deposit can potentially buy my home what because i think it'll appraise under what you just paid me so so that's why the deposits are becoming so pivotal in these competing offers that are going far above asking price. yeah and it, we can't be <coughs> we can't just say to a seller either oh $50,000 deposit so if it doesn't close you walk away with that because it's not that right it's most mm -hmm. likely you're going to walk away with your damages so if you turn around and sell it for more you're still pretty pissed off but you suffered no damages so that 50 grand would go back to that party at that time you know so it's not so simple as when we call and talk to our seller and say I have bad news it looks like it might not close and they say do I keep the deposit well you're going to have to either negotiate mm -hmm get that mutual release signed for whatever you agree to keep, or you're going to have to sue to get that deposit back and there's no guarantees. And and one of the case studies we just did, it was in a in a, a falling real estate market. So the you know, real estate was going down. Here in Northumberland County and in Durham and GTA right now, I mean it's such a a locomotive of a, a market that you could as a seller just say, you know what all mutual release from this. I don't care because I had six people giving me offers then. I'm just going to move on. And that's what we <coughs> do see quite often is where yeah. sellers, are they are they going to, 
it's a it's a to, just to get a clear cut and move on. Yeah, because maybe I'm even going to get a better offer this time around. I, I mean, it's people very get possible. so angry and so hurt, yeah. and it's it's hard to take emotion out of it too. And everybody will react differently. They really do. Yeah, and we haven't had to go through this issue very often. I think because we're we're very much some problem solvers. Do you think we? I don't recall any. Ho- House of Horrors we've gone no, through with this. No. Well, thank you, Dale. You know, and thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so things have gone well. And uh, and saying this, saying this, hopefully tomorrow we don't run into something. We may. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, <coughs> we recommend people don't buy and sell the same day. If you bought, if you sell and it doesn't happen until late in the day, there's a chance your purchase may not happen until um, the following day, which might put you in this danger zone. So if you can bridge, do bridge. Now, now, Going back, going back when I first started buying and selling homes, that's what we did all the time. We bought and sold on the same day. No, don't do it. But we, but we used to. No. I mean, it was common. And I know now uh, I'm recommending to all my mm-hmm. clients, don't do that. Because just <laughs> it's like no good can come from it. Not only in these cases, but just in the stress levels. There seems, And there seems to be a lot of transactions, a lot of purchasers coming <coughs> out from Durham and Toronto. And for some reason, I, maybe it's long lines at the bank. The, their lawyers aren't getting us money until the end of the day. And we have to turn around and buy within, you know. The, minutes. I, oh, minutes. Yeah. Literally, I closed la- um, last day of March. I closed a client's sale my last day at my prior firm at 454. Fortunately, because of the way we were able to complete the transaction, we closed our purchase at 457. Oh my goodness, two minutes to do the other transaction. That's like super fast. That, oh, that would that would have been a pressure cooker mm-hmm. I, I, that I can imagine. Megan, we got like 30 seconds. Is there another, is there another um, takeaway that you think is really important? Just when you're purchasing, stay on stay on top of things. Find a checklist somewhere. Again, our firm's created one with some timelines that we hope will help people. And if people are looking for something from you, provide it. It's a pain in it's a pain mm-hmm. to provide all this paperwork to all these people, but there's a reason they're requesting the paperwork and often the next step will not happen until you get it. So just stay on top of things. All right. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining again us again. And what a great show. I love these shows. Oh, it was a pleasure. And why don't you tell us again, you, you, you have a new practice in Port Hope. It's your own practice. You betcha. Uh, how can people contact you and where Our is it? Our website's up and running, although I don't know if it's up and running quite yet at meganadams.ca, but it will be there in the next day or two. And we're at 40 John Street, Port Hope. Nope, nine zero five eight eight five forty forty. And if you if you didn't get that, you can contact me, and I'll certainly pass along Megan's contact information. So, also, if you have any other questions or comments about today's show or any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing Dale at dalebryant.ca or call into the radio station at nine zero five three seven two. 2391 and leave a message for me and don't forget to join me again next week i'm dale bryant i'm an active real estate broker with royal lepage pro alliance realty brokerage join me next thursday from 11 a.m until 12 noon for reality realty on northumberland 89.7 fm's truly local radio until next week folks Hi, this is Andrew Johnson. I'm very happy to announce that with my husband, David Long, we have created Northumberland.